The other day I was putting Ren to bed. Um, I can't remember, actually wasn't home at this time. I can't, she was somewhere. And uh, so I was putting Ren to bed and uh, she wasn't listening, which is very odd for a toddler, right? Um, they, they normally listen so well. So I was putting her down and I was, trying to, I was trying to get her diaper changed, right? So I'm sitting there and she loves to do this thing where she'll just like roll over and roll around and like, you know, refuse to let the diaper be put on. And I, I, I start calm, right? Hey, Ren, come on, baby. No, turn over. Come on, spirit. Ren, turn over, right? It kind of builds to that point. Any parent ever get, you know, eventually like it's just, it's, it's over. The kind words are gone. Well, she rolls over and she slowly looks at me and she says, daddy, you're not bad. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not bad. And then she looked at me, she said, what's that, your eyebrows? I said, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I didn't mean to be bad. Let, you know, and she let me change her. So I, again, moving forward, I was like, that's funny. I told Ashley about it. Well, then later, same thing with Ashley. She's, I think, I think it was actually diaper changing and she, same thing, rolling around all this stuff. And uh, Ashley eventually was like, Ren, turn over. <laughs> and Ren said, Mama, you're not bad. And Mama said, no. Mama. Ashley said, no, I'm not bad. And she said, and Ren said, you don't have daddy's eyebrows. <laughs> so apparently something about these bushy eyebrows make me a bad person when I hold them a certain way. So uh, there, there's that. Um, <laughs> do you guys know that we affect people by how we handle them in, di in difficult situations? We do, don't we? When difficult situations come up, the way we handle people sometimes hurts worse than the actual words we say, right? Can you say the right words the wrong way? Anybody ever done it? I'm sorry. Today, we're gonna study about a very difficult decision that the early church had to make. They walked through this decision in wisdom and unity, though they easily could have chosen selfishness and divisiveness. So uh, you guys are gonna be very surprised about this because normally I get to go through like loads and loads of scripture at a time, right? I get to really plow through a whole bunch of it. Um, I had thought that I would make it through verse 35 today. So starting in Acts chapter 15, we're gonna be in verse 22. I thought I was gonna get through 35. We are literally studying Acts 15, 22 today. Just one verse, that's all I got. Um, I got to the end of the notes that I had for this and there was no more room. So we're gonna be in one verse today. We're really gonna dive into this and uh, I'm excited for it. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 15, I'm gonna read verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to, to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So if you'll remember, James has just given a speech and said, hey, here's the thing we're gonna ask them to do. So we're, gonna, we're not gonna tell them they have to be circumcised. We're not gonna put the burden of the law on these Gentile believers. We're not doing it. What we will do is say, hey, Avoid these four things that would ruin your witness to Jewish people that are all over the world. Make sure you like, we're prioritizing the loss. You have to maintain the ability to share the gospel. Don't rob yourself of the chance to share the gospel with others. So they, they decide this, hey, we're gonna send some people out to go and deliver this message. All right, so this, it says, first of all, that this seemed good. That's the Greek word edokse. It means to hold an opinion based upon appearance which may be significantly different than reality. Uh, has anybody ever had an opinion that uh, differed from reality? Anybody ever looked at something and thought it would taste really good and it turned out tasting really bad? Anybody looked at something you thought would taste bad and tasted really good? You can tell I'm focused on food right now, I'm hungry. Guess what we have in common with the early church? Opinions and decisions. 
do we all share the same ones? What? You're kidding, huh? Who in here has opinions? <laughs> Some of you have the opinion that raising your hand is not appropriate in church. Um, who, who has to make decisions in this room? Like whether or not you'll raise your hand. There you go. Okay, that's good. Anybody feel strongly about your opinions? Who in here would admit to being opinionated? Who in here has an opinionated spouse? Ashley does. Um, <laughs> okay. I feel strongly about this. Pepsi is better than Coke. <laughs> Chick-fil-A sauce is the greatest condiment of all time. Unless you're including hot sauce, in which case all hot sauce wins. <laughs> we're, we're having church today, people. <laughs> Sometimes you got decisions, right? We feel strongly about our decisions. This is, this is funny. I must have been hungry uh, studying as well. Uh, what are you going to eat for lunch, for lunch today? Did I just ruin everybody else's attention? Like now that's all you can focus on for the rest of the sermon? Sorry, in case you weren't already there. What route will you take to get to the restaurant? And why will your spouse think it's the wrong way? <laughs> what are you getting your sister, brother, parents, in-laws for Christmas when they already have everything they could possibly ever need? Anybody have some of those presents to buy? So we have opinions and we have decisions to make as a church. We do as humans, this is part of it. Some things are clearly biblical and they're not up for debate, right? If the Bible's clear on something, we don't get to fight whether or not we do it or obey it or follow it because the word is our authority and we have to follow it. But there are other things that are open, open for us to make decisions about inside the church, right? Sometimes we make decisions and they're not, it's not something we can find in the word. We can't necessarily even defend it or even fight it biblically. It's just something we have to make a decision on. Those are the tougher issues, aren't they? So here's some decisions we have. Do we want to have central heat and air? Anybody feel strongly about that opinion? It's not a biblical matter, right? We can't find that in the word that this is something that should be there. We can't find some. And in fact, you could probably make arguments against it saying, hey, there's ways you could use that money differently. But we're going to choose to have central heat and air. Do we want to have electronic lights, even though candles would be cheaper? I think so. I feel pretty strongly about that. Do we want to have a building at all? Because the early church didn't have buildings, right? We could say, hey, we're just going to start meeting outside as much as we can or find a gym or what, right? These are decisions to make. Things like how long will we meet each week? Now that's different throughout the, the past 2000 years, right? Some churches like the Puritan church, they, they met for like six to eight hours um, at a time. Uh, some churches meet for a couple hours, some meet for one. Some are like us where it's like, maybe it's one, maybe it's a little more, I don't know, right? How long are we gonna meet each, each week? Because that's not found in the word, how long is required. <laughs> Oh man, we're gonna get fun here. Should people eat or drink in the sanctuary, right? Which foods and uh, drinks are okay to have? Can we have communion in the sanctuary? That's, that's a food and a drink, right? Because that grape juice will stain the carpet. We could say that communion needs to be in the lobby. Like, hey, let's move out there because that way we'll be careful of this. Can a baby drink its milk inside of the sanctuary? Babies are the clumsiest humans on the planet. 
It's a true fact. But why, <laughs> why should they be able to drink something if I can't? Can a toddler have snacks? Can someone have cough drops? That's a food. Can we drink water? Can we have tea? Can we have coffee? Can we have hot chocolate? Can somebody have a biscuit if they've come in and not had a meal in two weeks and they come in hungry? We have to ask these questions because these are things that we don't see in the word, right? These are things we have to talk about and say like a decision has to be made because we're gonna, make, uh, we're gonna have to make a decision here. But the fact is this is not an issue of anything biblical. Another one, again, we're gonna be awkward today. What do we do when Christmas is on Sunday? Like I said, we had to meet and talk through this as elders and we came to the conclusion that Friday was gonna be the best way to prioritize families, but are there going to be people that don't like that decision? Yes, there are. But again, when you find things that can't be found in the word, when you, don't, you can't have a, uh, something that clearly biblically commands you to do things, sometimes you have to make decisions that other people are gonna say, I don't like it. Who in here gets everything you like? Well, that's odd because under my, it seemed to me that, that that was the way things worked. Everybody should get everything they want all the time. We don't. And sometimes we have to give things up to be able to prioritize others. Sometimes it's just the right decision, even if we don't like it. And sometimes it's just not worth having a fight over, right? The church in Jerusalem had many ways that they could have responded to this heresy. It was heresy, right? These Jewish people were saying, you aren't even saved. You're not a real Christian unless you follow this part of the law. That's a false gospel. They were changing the gospel, which is a dangerous thing. And they were creating a false faith, a false religion. That is a big, bad thing to do to bring. I think we never realize how bad legalism is, especially until you read Galatians where Paul says, if you're gonna add one ounce of the law to salvation, you better be able to follow all of it because that's a different gospel and you're no longer saved by a gospel of grace if you think you're earning any of it. If you think you can earn part of it, you better be able to earn all of it. Legalism is so dangerous. So they could have responded in a lot of ways, right? What they could have said is that, they, that if the Gentiles they're the ones that they're struggling with. They're the ones that are the outsiders. They're the ones that are like not living the right way, not doing the right things. They don't look right, smell right, talk right. If they wanna know what our decision is, they can come to us and they can come listen. They can make the, tra the trip and they can come travel to Jerusalem. And if they wanna hear what our word is, they can come over here and listen. That could have been said. Anybody think that there are some people who probably thought that that should have happened? I think so. I know people. Anybody know people? People. We all know people. There were some people in the Jerusalem church, weren't there? And, those, and I'm sure some of them said, well, if they want to hear it, they can just come here and listen. I'm not going anywhere. They could have said that the entire congregation needed to go and deliver the message to each of the Gentile churches so they could show some real support. They could have said, hey, you know what? All of us talked about this. How encouraging would it be if we all went to these churches in, uh, in the, the Pisidian Antioch area and told them like, hey, we support you. We're for you. Let's all go. Let's all go encourage these places. That would have been really neat. They could have said, and I, I'm certain somebody brought this up. 
They could have said the message really needed to come from James and Peter since they were the most prominent leaders in the Jerusalem church. Like, hey, James, you and Peter, especially James, you're the one that made the call here. Since this was your decision mainly, you're the one that really spoke up about this. They need to hear it from your mouth. We pay you. This is what we pay you for, James, Peter, you guys go. You're the ones that need to to suffer traveling and time away. And you guys need to, to bear the burden of all that stuff. I am just almost positive that was absolutely said. You're the ones that have to go bear the burden of doing this. But something else seemed good to them. It says that the apostles, the elders with the whole church felt like this seemed good. Okay, this right here, I don't know if you know this or not. You could really quickly read through that, but this is a church miracle. First of all, we have the apostles all agreeing. All right, this might seem like a gimme, but I don't think it is. Remember who the apostles are, right? You have a whole bunch of fishermen. Anybody been around a bunch of fishermen? Do they all agree all the time? (laughs) You're thinking of fights right now, aren't you? Yeah, okay. You have a tax collector who worked for the Roman government. He was hated by almost everybody. Alongside a zealot who was the party of zealots who thought that Rome needed to be overthrown at that moment. They wanted to, to have a rebellion right away and fight Rome. And they really hated the tax collectors. They're side by side. And you have others that are, are people as well. That was not easy to all agree, right? Anybody sat in a room with uh, 12 people and just all came to the same opinion? Naturally, easily. It's not easy. These apostles, though, they did spend time with the one who brings unity, Christ himself. Obviously, what the apostles were able to do is say, even if we differ on our opinions, we can come together in unity over the fact that Jesus Christ is supreme and a decision needs to be made. And it's okay if it's not my way. All right. Second of all, the elders all agree. Okay. Again, you might think that's simple, but I'm telling you that's not. I'm sure these elders all had their own opinions. Our our elders that are in here today, uh, do we have our own opinions? Ken is not opinionated at all. Um, In case you guys didn't know, (laughs) I'm certainly not opinionated. (laughs) It's funny, in our our, our last meeting, we were not all in agreement over uh, an issue that I brought up. I'm I'm always the instigator with some of this stuff. Uh, It was like this, this an issue where there's many right and wrong answers, many of them. I probably had the strongest opinion in the room because I I, I get that, what, shocker, right? Anybody shocked that I had a strong opinion? But this is why elders are so important. If I was alone, I could have acted, I would have acted very rashly on this issue. And instead of running forward with what, what I knew was right and standing up for something, I had some men saying, hold up. (laughs) You might not have the right perspective there and you need to slow down. And that's probably not the right way to handle it. And so it had to be a longer conversation. It's just a continued conversation. This is why this is important. But the fact that all the elders are in agreement on the method of doing this, that's an amazing thing. But not only them, the whole church, an entire church agreed on something impossible. This would have included the very legalists who were trying to force the law on the Gentile believers, even the ones who lost their way. They didn't get their way. Still, they're all in support of this. Tell me that's not crazy. It's impossible, but for Christ. 
We can all agree to move forward with decisions that aren't our preferences when our eyes are fixed on Christ and we value others above ourselves. We see this command in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You, know, you want to know how this church found unity in a very divisive time? They considered others more important than themselves. Instead of demanding, I get my way. They said, if it's not a clear biblical issue, it's okay if my opinion's not what gets followed. Who in here has all your preferences met inside of your family? Everybody does everything you want all the time. Huh, that's weird. Who in here, your, your spouse does everything you prefer every day all the time? Joyce, look at Dean, man, you just got props to you. We're, gonna, we're having a seminar later where he's gonna teach us husbands how to do better. Um, <laughs> there's no place on earth we get all our preferences met. Where should be the place that we really demand them the least? The place where our focus should be the most on Christ, right? Where we say, it's not about me. It's about us. Us always is more important and better than me. All right. So they said that it seemed good to the entire church, the apostles, the elders, and all the church to choose this word means to make a special choice based upon significant preference, often implying strongly favorable attitudes toward what is chosen. All right, so this church feels strongly about picking these men for this mission. But what do we know about choosing people? If you choose some, what are you doing to others? Not choosing them. Could this have led to hurt feelings? Anybody think some feelings might have gotten hurt? I think so, right? It could have caused great division, right? Because they chose some, but not everyone. They chose some people to be the ones to go and bring this message. What is more important than being picked for a position in a church? Making much of God and bringing the message of, of the gospel to the world. That's what's more important. Do you know you don't need a position or a title to do that? You don't even need a program to do that. We have the freedom to walk out of the door right now with the gospel on our lips, sharing with others about Christ. Absolutely nothing is stopping any of us from doing that other than our own priorities. Nothing is stopping us from pointing each other, edifying each other and pointing towards God other than our own priorities. This early church had a vision for unity and being a people with the gospel on their lips. Vision transcends personal preference. When a church can, un can unify behind a vision, watch out because that is what changes the world. It's when a church says, hey, no, no, it's not about what I want. It's about what, our, what we need and what our community needs. 
When you rally behind that vision, it changes everything. And suddenly you become a place that makes an impact on the community that you're in. So they they decide to, to choose these people and send them with Paul and Barnabas. The apostles and elders with the support of the whole church decide to send some men from their church to go with Paul and Barnabas to encourage other churches. Other churches. What a beautiful picture. Because you know what could have happened is Jerusalem saying, well, no, if we send them, what if they decide to stay? What if they like the church at Antioch better than they like us? What if we could lose people? That's churches in competition. Are churches supposed to be in competition? No, we're supposed to be sisters, right? We're supposed to be supporting each other in the same mission. And when God is blessing another church inside of our community, how should we feel? Incredible. We should be praising Jesus Christ for what he's doing. And so this church in Jerusalem sends people saying, hey, let's send them out. And if they decide to stay there because God is going to use them, great. Because that's a part of being on mission. But the people they pick, they're pretty important guys. So who thinks that these men had important roles at the church in Jerusalem? I think they did. They might have been very key volunteers. They might have been guys that taught in a children's class every Sunday at 1130, right? They might have been uh, guys who were teaching um, other groups. They might have uh, preached sometimes. They might have been major uh, 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 greeters. They might have been like, they could have had uh, important roles. In fact, I would assume they did do good things inside of this church, which is why they would have been picked. Who thinks it would have been tough to replace them? This church chose to do what was tough because it was right. Will we? Let me finish this verse. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers. So yeah, leading men among the brothers. These guys had some big roles. They were important to their church and they would be missed when they were gone. But the Jerusalem church was willing to send them because they knew it was right. So first of all, we meet this guy called Judas called Barsabbas. We don't have a lot, of, a lot of information on him. He could be somebody that we don't know at all, that this might be the only mention of him and this might be somebody that's a standalone guy. He also could be related to Justice Barsabbas, who was a candidate to replace Judas Iscariot as an apostle in the early church. We saw that in Acts 1.23. Remember there's Matthias and then Justice Barsabbas. Um, that could have been a family name. Barsabbas means son of the Sabbath. Um, maybe as a family name, maybe that's just a, a, a nickname he had, but that was Justice. So maybe he's related there. He could be Jesus's half brother who was later inspired by the spirit to write a book of the Bible called Jude. We see Matthew 13.55 is not this, carp- this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James, who's now the leader of the early church, and Joseph and Simon and Judas, Jesus's young, seems like youngest half-brother, is this guy named Judas or Jude. I would love for this to be it. If Jude's first appointment would have been to go and fight for the faith, because that would fit. If you've ever read the book of Jude, he says, hey, I wanted, well, actually, let me read it. Jude verse three, don't ask what chapter, there's only one. Um, Jude verse three, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, 
Church, I wanted to write to you saying, hey, we're all saved by the same Christ and let's talk about, let's be encouraged together about that. I wanted to write about that. But instead, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So if this is this Jude, this is, he's going to uh, his first mission and regardless of who he is, this Judas Barsabbas, his first uh, appointment for the church is to travel to the Gentile lands and defend the faith. Go and stop heresy and stop people from saying there's other things you have to do to have Christ save you. All that's required is faith and faith alone. They also choose to send a guy named Silas. So Silas is soon going to be a main character in the book of Acts, right? Silas replaces Barnabas to be Paul's companion missionary. And God does incredible things with Paul and Silas. So these guys were leading men in the church. This is men who so influence others that they cause them to follow a recommended course of action. Judas Barsabbas and Silas's presence in the church caused incredible change and unity, which are integrally connected. Unity without change is impossible. True unity requires change in all who will be a part of it. You see, I can't say I'm not moving and then uh, Tyson say I'm not moving and we ever find unity. It doesn't exist. We both have to be willing to stand up and walk towards each other. Change is required, integrally connected to unity. Judas and Silas were able to influence others in the church at Jerusalem to follow a vision that they may not have followed on their own. How are you influencing those around you? Are you bringing others into unity around a vision bigger than themselves? Or are you bringing others into division, focusing on their individual preferences not being met? Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the person whose influence brings unity behind vision that's bigger than us? Or do you want to be the person who brings division based on personal preferences? Because you're gonna be one or the other. Let's pray. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I have a couple of questions. The first one's this. Will you hold tightly to the word standing firmly in everything it calls us to be and do? Will you hold loosely to your preferences, keeping your focus on God and others? Will you place the needs of others ahead of your own needs? Will you pursue unity, unity at Klingon Ridge? Will you lead toward it? Will you influence others towards this unity? And will you repent of leading others toward division? Jesus, I pray that you guide us to see this example, this amazing single verse in the Bible where we see incredible church unity, where there was incredible division. Lord, they fought, they argued, they wouldn't even listen. They were not acting like you at all. 
But then when confronted with the word, when James and Peter and Paul and Barnabas spoke out and they got to see and celebrate the fact that you save lost, dirty people, they found unity, unity behind that great vision of bringing the gospel to the world and, and edifying the church. That that's so much bigger than any other preference. God, help us to hold tightly to your word and submit ourselves to it. And Lord, please give us the strength and, con and conviction to loosen our grip on our preferences that we can walk the change that brings unity to your church so that we can be a church that brings light to our community. Help us to lead and influence others towards this and forgive us, Christ, for where our words have influenced others towards division. We love you so much. In your name I pray, amen. Please stand, respond however God leads you.